This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zifford, only on 101.9 High FM. The sad passing of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg last week marked the end of an era. Before she died, Ginsburg dictated a statement through her granddaughter, Clara Spira, noting, My most fervent wish is that I will not be replaced until a new president is installed. Clearly, the vacancy of of the Supreme Court six weeks before the 2020 presidential elections is important. To explain how and why, I talked to electoral commentator Wayne Sussman. Wayne, welcome and once again, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much, Cherise. It's great to be back. Clearly, there are huge implications of the replacement of the um, of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's position. Why? I remember in the 2016 primaries, that's when the Republicans were choosing their candidates, and it was a race between Donald Trump, who's now obviously the president, and Senator Ted Cruz from Texas. Ted Cruz said that the next president of the United States of America will have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, an opportunity uh, it will be a time of consequence, where there was a realistic scenario when he made these comments that within the next four and a half years, there is a strong possibility of the United Supreme, uh, of the U.S. Supreme Court having to find new three, three new Supreme Court justices. And that, those words have truly come out to play. Um, there was first the appointment of Justice Brett Kavanaugh, which was a, uh, sorry, of uh, Justice Neil Gorsuch, and then Justice Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, so we've had two Supreme Court justices vacancies filled in this span. And on Friday night, uh, we heard the tragic news that Ruth Bader Ginsburg had passed away. And now literally six weeks before the election, as you said, um, there is a strong possibility that the United States, that Donald Trump's going to make an announcement of who he would like to be fill the vacancy of Justice Bader Ginsburg and that the United States Senate is going to try to push this through as quickly as possible and that this vacancy will be filled before the next election. Whilst Ruth Bader Ginsburg's grandchild might have made clear where Justice Bader Ginsburg stood on this position, it seems that President Trump and certainly the United States Senate, uh, the Republicans of the Senate, have other ideas. And this is of huge consequence, Cherise, because unlike the presidential term, which is there's a maximum of two terms, and each term is four years. When you get appointed to the Supreme Court, it's essentially for life, um, unless you decide to retire for health reasons. As we know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg served there until the age of 87. And what this means is that we can move from American society uh, is highly politicized. I know. Uh, I, I don't need to tell you that. I'm sure most of the listeners know that. And ultimately, what's going to happen here is that if and when Trump says this is who I would like to see as the next Supreme Court judge, and the Republican senators get their way, and it does seem like right now that they do have the numbers to get their way, you're going to have a Supreme Court which will be have six conservatives. And three liberals. And I looked at a of the current Supreme Court justice uh, bench this morning, and I wonder whether in the next four years 
or even the next eight years, that there'll be anything close to three uh, people vacating uh, their place in the Supreme Court. So for a conservative voter, for someone who cares about issues such as uh, abortion or social conservative issues, this is a massive moment because a 6-3 conservative liberal split on the Supreme Court is, in objectively speaking, very much out of touch where the majority of American uh, citizens and voters are today. I looked at some numbers this morning. Um, in 2016, three and a half million more Democrats, uh, three and a half million more voters voted for Democrat Hillary Clinton over uh, Donald Trump. In the 2018 midterm elections, and yes, the Democrats always favor to have an advantage there, eight and a half million Americans voted for the Democrats, then for the Republicans. And that is way out of touch with a, a Supreme Court bench, which has six conservatives and three liberals. And that is why you see this as being such a key moment. I've been speaking for very long. I just want to say one more quick thing. In American politics, um, presidential elections, there's always something called an October surprise. Well, it does seem like that October surprise arrived two weeks early because this could really upend the race. And the way that race could be upended is like follow, is as follows. This, as I said, could energize the evangelical base. We know that there are many Republicans who are, there are quite a few prominent Republicans not, who are not happy with Donald Trump. And you saw this actually yesterday with Cindy McCain, the wife of the late uh, Senator John McCain, who ran for the president, who endorsing Joe Biden. We were waiting to see whether some of these Republicans are saying, look, we know we're unhappy about Donald Trump, but we might uh, consider voting for him now because he's going to give us a conservative um, justice. On the flip side, this can really energize liberal Americans. We know that liberal Americans were far more excited about Bernie Sanders than they were about Joe Biden. And this issue to elect a highly conservative judge, a potentially polarizing figure, could really energize those more liberal left-wing voters to say, look, we cannot allow this to happen. We cannot allow the fact that Donald Trump, a Republican in the White House, instead of having elected Hillary Clinton, if Hillary Clinton was elected president, then maybe the Supreme Court bench wouldn't be so skewed right now. And that is why this is of such consequence. You talk about the October surprise coming a little bit early. What is the relationship between the Supreme Court of Justice and the politicians in terms of, I mean, how does, I'm just trying to, if you can compare it to South Africa, just so I can get a sense of why it would, why you, can, you know that your, your judges are liberals or conservatives and why it should actually impact. Is, it, is justice not blind? So the president which happens to be a Republican, um, announces, they essentially always have a short list and they announce who their pick is. And then that goes to the Senate and the Senate has to confirm, um, that appointment. Now, just before the 2016 election, and this is again why this is such, this throws fuel on the fire. Just before the 2016 election, there was a vacancy and 
President Obama tried to confirm a moderate but still liberal judge called Merrick Garland. And the difference then is the Republicans were in control of the Senate. And they didn't even, I know that some senior Republican senators met with Justice, with Judge Garland, but they refused to even entertain the confirmation. And essentially Obama on this issue was a lame duck president. So Democrats four years later are saying this is hypocritical. So many of our colleagues on the other side of the aisle would not even entertain the idea of sitting down and going through a confirmation hearing. But four years later, when we're even closer to an election, they're going back on their word, they're being hypocritical and want to rush through and rubber stamp this confirmation um, of who Trump who's who Trump's going to pick on Saturday. And as I said earlier, the stakes are really high because this is a lifetime appointment. And because of this polarized situation in America, that split has huge consequence. And what's interesting, in the last few, uh, and this is a slightly more hopeful point, in the last few weeks, we have seen some of the conservative justices side of the liberal judges uh, in passing some um, in passing legislation on um, on discrimination at work, which particularly favoured uh, gay people and trans people. But that becomes, to be honest, almost impossible in a six-three split. A six-three split is obviously much greater than a five-four split, and that is why. Um, this is such an emotive issue right now. Do you think Trump is going to be able to push somebody through quickly? Yes. Now, is it in his interest is, is I think, the bigger question because some uh, is as important a question because some of the pundits are saying if he rubber stamps this and pushes this through, the conservatives and evangelicals might actually be less determined to vote because they know that the just uh, the Supreme Court war has been won for the next generation. Where, whereas, if he had to dangle a bone in front of the uh, in front of the electorate, in particularly the conservative and uh, more uh, evangelical electorate, and say, "Look, I guarantee you that I will push through um, a, a, a conservative judge," but in order to do that. You need to make sure you re-elect me on uh, the 3rd of November and that you make sure that the, that the Republicans gain control of the Senate. So that's the reverse. This is, by the way, the beauty of politics. It's very unclear. I mean, when I, when I heard the news first and I was wondering, how is this going to play out? And it's still very unclear. Because as I said, if you have to push through a very conservative justice, yes, that's going to be great. If you're an evangelical voter, you can see that Trump has your back and you can see that the Republican Senate um, candidates who are up for re-election have your back. But at the same time, you can really energize some of those uh, very liberal voters, very left-wing voters who might not have been so passionate to go out in November and vote for Joe Biden or vote for a more moderate uh, Senate candidate for the Democratic Party. Um, of the opinion, I think the opinion polls will start coming out in the next few days. And a lot of the pundits I follow are saying that the impact on the polls, it's very unclear right now. 
um, and they're wondering whether it will have a major shake-up of the polls because ultimately this is an issue in the election, but let's not forget we've said in the previous weeks on the, uh, during this series, so is the ma- handling of corona, where Trump and the Republicans are viewed very poorly, and so is the handling of the economy, where Trump's favorables are more, uh, are, are, more be- are more good for him and more good for his party. Wayne, it's getting very exciting now, so I look forward to our chat again next week. Correct, Cherise, and we're going to have the first presidential debate. I know that many Republicans are thinking that Joe Biden is going to say the wrong thing or show some cognitive decline, so I know that a huge amount is staked on next week's debate, and I look forward to speaking to you about that again. Thanks, Wayne. Look forward to speaking to you then. That was Wayne Sussman, who is an election commentator.